Hi, this is Daniel from the Together Network, and I'd like to share a teaching that I shared at the last Global Hope Group gathering, uh, which is a way in which different people who are involved in hope groups get together on Zoom about every six weeks, and we pray and we listen to some celebration stories from around the world. Uh, and we also do a bit of a teaching on discipleship or evangelism or mission related to making disciples who make disciples. I'm going to break this podcast into two talks. Uh, one, I want to talk about friendship and how to build friendships and move friendly conversations to meaningful conversations. And in the second part, I'm going to talk more about how to have spiritual conversations and gospel conversations, uh, and particularly to do so looking for the person of peace. And the reason I'm sharing this topic is because last gathering, I asked everyone, look, what are some questions about mission or discipleship or evangelism that you might like to explore? And one person came up with a really good question. He said, look, I'm really passionate about hope groups and I'd like to start a hope group, but I'm struggling to find an unchurched friend or even think of a friend who I might invite into a hope group. So what I've realized is I, I might need to work on building some genuine friendships and how do I connect with more non-Christians, more people who don't go to church and aren't involved in Christian living? Uh, how, how do I make more friends in order to start a hope group? And, and that question actually is a question that I've heard again and again from many people as we share the hope group methodology, because uh, the hope groups really assume that you have people in your life who you care for, who you love and who you connect with, and therefore you want to offer them hope. But for many of us, we just get caught in this, uh, for some of us, a Christian bubble. For some of us, if we're pastors or leaders, we just get caught up in work. And we, we actually find it hard to connect with everyday people. Uh, and therefore, we can't start a hope group. Friendship uh, is really important in the kingdom of God. You know, I love that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors, of prostitutes, of broken people, of, of sinners. And he had this amazing ability to make friends and connect with a host of different people. And so likewise, I believe that God uses friendship to lead people into the kingdom. Friendships are beautiful. They enrich our lives. But they're also a way in which we can connect with people who might want to experience hope in the life of Jesus. Now, interestingly, having trained lots of people over the last year and seen hope groups start in different places of the world, what I've noticed is that the best hope group leaders aren't professional Christians. They're not pastors or leaders. They're, they're Christians who love people and are great at making friends and, and love Jesus. You know, I suppose they're people who follow the great commandment, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as you love yourself. And it may sound simple, but it's not a given. And so today I want to talk about the value of friendship and how we might build friends, uh, how we might uh, move our friendship conversations from being friendly conversations to meaningful conversations, to spiritual conversations and to gospel conversations. But first, before I do, let me share a bit of my own story. So, look, I used to be a physiotherapist and I was from a place called Adelaide, a pretty dry place in uh, South Australia. And I moved to Tasmania uh, with my wife, Kylie, very intentionally uh, feeling called to be missionary people in the Aussie context to reach locals with the love of Jesus and to learn what it might look like to start what we called a missional community, you might call a microchurch today. And 
we joined a group of people called Third Place Communities and they were doing some really interesting stuff and they were passionate about connecting with friends and being the presence of Jesus in everyday places. And so we moved to Hobart and we joined the rhythms and patterns of this wonderful community. And we met every Friday night after work for drinks at this place called Rectango where there was funky jazz music and we would dance outdoors with uh, other people, colleagues and friends who'd meet us there from work. And at the same time, every Sunday night as a, as a discipline, as a practice, as a rhythm, we would meet at a place called Noppies, which is in the middle of town and it's this old famous pub. And we would drink and chat and meet our friends, both Christian and unchurched friends. And over time, uh, we built a real community. And it was interesting because Darren, who started the community and who created these patterns in the first place, said that we went to the pub in order to meet the locals. But after doing it for long enough, we realized that we had become the locals. And, and I really like that expression. In many ways, if we want to build friends as a community, we, we need to go from meeting the locals to becoming the locals. And that just takes time and regularity and commitment and the ability to be in people's lives. And so when we did that for long enough, we found ourselves with a large community of unchurched people uh, people who might have been exploring faith or, or who simply were friends with us and they connected with us and it was a really enjoyable way of creating a sense of community as Jesus people. And I think we did some things really badly during that time, but one of the things we did well was friendship. And we created predictable patterns as a community to actually make friends and to make friends with each other's friends. And so there are three principles that we found really helpful because uh, we were really passionate about creating rhythms or patterns in our life together so that we could actually form friendships as a community. We did this uh, around three principles, proximity, regularity, and spontaneity. So let me start with proximity. Basically, you can't build friends with people if you're not in the places where they hang out, if you're not close to people's lives, and if you're not socializing or at least paying attention when you're near people who aren't yet Christians. The problem, though, is that so many Christians get so caught up in church that they don't actually have meaningful friendship with people in everyday life. Uh, you know, we get caught up in worship practice and home groups and, and church services, and we just surround ourselves in our Christian friends with our Christian conversations and uh, our Christian ways of thinking. And uh, as a result, we actually can't participate in the thing that Jesus called us to do, which is the Great Commission, to go out into the world, into noppies, into rectangle, into the pubs and clubs or wherever God's calling you and make disciples. If this is where you're starting, uh, where do you find proximity? And I just say, look, look where you are right now and God will show you a way if you have a heart to start to connect with everyday people. And so you might want to ask the question, you know, who's close to you? Like literally, who are your neighbors? Who lives across the fence? Uh, who can you chat with? Or who do you work with? Who do you do life near? Uh, you might also ask, you know, what common interests do you have? Do you like bushwalking or knitting or playing board games or walking the dog? You know, is there a group or a club or uh, a few people that you can do your interests with who aren't from your church community, people who are aren't yet followers of Jesus. So just look for the simple wins uh, and I know God will show you where to start. Uh, you might think about who's in your workplace 
And, you know, a lot of the time, what I found with my experience is I would build, well, I didn't build friends in my workplace. I would be in a hospital with lots of physiotherapists and, and other professionals, but I was quite closed and I would eat lunch by myself or I wouldn't engage in everyday conversations with people in the tea room. And, and it wasn't until God started convicting me that actually I'm a missionary in my hospital, not just a physiotherapist, that I started to realize just how closed my heart was and how closed my body language was to people who didn't know Jesus. And I actually probably wasn't that nice a person to be around. And so uh, over a period of time, I started to eat at the tea room and get involved in people's conversations, pay attention to what they did and what they were watching and and ask questions about their renovations and about their families. And, and over time, I, I actually started to really like the people I worked with. And luckily, they started to like me. And I became part of that group of friends. And those friendships then moved to other areas outside of work. People invited me to stuff and I said yes. So again, I think we can be in proximity technically with people, but if our heart isn't looking and if we're not open to building relationships, then we can actually miss out on what God's doing. Uh, the, the other area for families, because I know how hard it is to be parents and how little time we have, but what an amazing opportunity to connect as friends through your children, through school sports or school activities, by connecting in with um, parents at the school. And again, proximity could look like turning up a few minutes before kids pick up and actually just mingling and chatting with other parents who are there early and doing it week after week in order to build a sense of connection. So look, that's what it might look like to have proximity in order to build friendship. The second concept is regularity. Proximity is good, but you need to be in the same place at the same time in order to really create uh, deepening friendships. Uh, and that was my story about becoming one of the locals. And if you turn up at the same pub at six o'clock every week for long enough, then you just are part of the crowd and you can just connect in with the crowd because that's who you are. So look, regularity is important. Go to the same hairdresser. I go to the same gym. You know, pick up your kids at the same time from school and connect with people in a regular way. And if you can, do it together. You know, it's one thing to build friendships by going to the same coffee shop at the same time and talking with the same people. But if you can do it with other Christians, then it almost becomes missional because you can actually start to pray about the friends you meet and you can connect with the same people and build a sense of relationship around people. And that's a great way to then invite people into a hope group where you could read stories of hope from the life of Jesus with people because they already know you and a few people in that group. So we've, we've talked about proximity and we've talked about regularity. Uh, spontaneity is also really important. And I think spontaneity, in my experience, is one of the hardest things to do. I remember Darren again, uh, the leader of the community I joined who mentored me for a while, he said that spontaneity, unlike its name suggests, must be planned. I really like that. And I think it's really true. What I mean by that is uh, spontaneity requires space. You actually need space in your calendar so that when someone says, hey, after school, do you want to go to my house and have a coffee? Or, um, hey, let's just have a phone call or let's catch up. If you have to look at your calendar and say, well, actually, I've got a spot in six weeks, <laughs> then we can be friends well, then it's actually really hard to build some of the beautiful moments that are spontaneous and life-giving and that just seem to happen. And so one of the practices we did really well back then, and I didn't have kids and I find it much harder now, 
was to actually intentionally create space in my schedule where I didn't have stuff scheduled and that allowed me to respond in the moment to what the Spirit was doing relationally. In fact, you know, we took mission so seriously and friendship so seriously back then, I wish I did it as well now, that we actually chose to work part-time, not working full-time in order to actually have space in our schedules where we could just respond to what God was doing in the moment spontaneously. And the last bit, I suppose, uh, is that you can do proximity, regularity, and spontaneity individually, but it works best as a community, which I've already implied. You know, Matthew 18, 20 says, where at two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And I think there's something beautiful about connecting with each other and allowing God's spirit to be with you so that the church is going and making disciples, not just individuals doing it by themselves. So look, let's just pause there at this moment and think about my story and think about these ideas. If you're someone who feels like you're lacking real friendships or you don't have many people in your relational world who don't yet know Jesus and you're feeling compelled to participate more in the Great Commission, well then what might you do differently to practice proximity, regularity, spontaneity and to do so with other people ideally? Who know Jesus. So if I go back to my framework of what it might look like to build friendly conversations and then move them to meaningful conversations, well I'd say to start friendly conversations, be near people, smile, turn up to the same place, you know, have common interests, ask questions and just try to be interested in people's lives and and as you do so, pray that God will give you opportunities to connect with people in meaningful ways. And I'm sure that over time, you'll find that you've got heaps of friends. But how do you move from friendly conversations to meaningful conversations? Because that's something we also did really well during those kind of pub days before we had kids. And I think I still do meaningful conversations really well because of what I learned back then. And look, one of the things I've found is that people love to talk about themselves. I mean, I went to a 50th birthday party just the other night and I didn't know many people. And I'm an introvert, so I find it hard to be in crowds, but I do have a strategy. And my strategy for surviving parties and hopefully connecting is to actually just ask people questions about themselves and to listen and then to ask another question based on what I heard. It's not very complex. Okay, so... You know, hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm Steve. Oh, hi, Steve. How are you? You know, how how do you know, I don't know, the person at this party? And then we talk about maybe, you know, do you have kids or what do you do for work? Oh, you're a policeman. Okay, what made you become a policeman? That sounds like a hard job. Is it hard? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? What draws you to actually be involved in this line of work? Just to ask questions and it's quite amazing at what you can hear. And obviously share something of yourself, you know, as you can. But, but what I find is if you ask great questions, you can often go from just a friendly conversation to a meaningful conversation. You can actually ask questions that relate to why a person ticks the way they tick and uh, what motivates them or what drives them in a deeper level. And those conversations are beautiful. So they're not necessarily about Jesus. And they're not necessarily spiritual conversations, but they're conversations that go a bit deeper than talking about the football or what's happening on Netflix. You know, you can actually start with Netflix, but then you can say, well, what is it that you like about the show? And then 
you know, go a bit deeper and actually try to work out what it is about the person's life that connects with what they like about the show. So we can do it just by asking questions in order to build meaningful conversations. So I think just be friendly, be interested in people, be willing to ask questions that are a little bit riskier and give a bit of yourself so that you share something that's meaningful and maybe a little risky and look to see if people want to go that way with you. And as you find people who want to have meaningful conversations, you might even find that they're interested in moving to spiritual conversations. The last thing I'd say is you don't have to think on your feet. Uh, relationships happen over time and you build them over time. And what I've found is uh, I'm actually not great at asking questions immediately, but I'm really good at thinking about what a person said and then thinking of a question that would be great to ask them next time. And I'm quite happy to say, hey, you know how last time we were talking about uh, your family and the struggles you're having with your teen? Well, here's a question I have that I was curious about and just continue the conversation. It may feel weird until you get used to it, but I've never found that others find it weird. In fact, they usually love that you thought about the conversation and thought about them enough to follow up with a further conversation. And it means you don't have to feel like you lost the moment or the opportunity as it came. Okay, well, look, that's part one of this podcast and I'm going to break it up just so it's not so long. Uh, but next time we talk, I'm going to talk about what it might look like to move from meaningful conversations to spiritual conversations to gospel conversations and particularly look at the concept of the person of peace from Luke 10. Okay, God bless.